This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. It's been four days since the federal election, and it's still unclear exactly what sort of government Labor will form. And of course, it may well be that uh, when all the votes are counted, that Labor is able to get to a majority. So we're just going to have to wait and see um, what the result is across the rest of the country. What is clear is that Australian politics has changed. Some are calling it a tectonic shift. Greens leader Adam Bant has another word for it. This was a green slide. Um, More people turned to the Greens than ever before. In the upper house, where the Greens have traditionally been strong, the party is set to gain several Senate seats. But most surprisingly, in the lower house, they could gain two to three seats, all in Queensland. There will be so many new Greens MPs from Queensland representing this state and the people of this state in Parliament. This is the best election result for the Greens in Australian political history. And while this result took many by surprise, it was not a shock for the Greens. This was years in the making. This result is a mandate for action on climate and inequality. Today, how the Greens won Queensland. Politics needs to be done differently. Politics needs to start working for people. It's Wednesday, the 25th of May. Ben, you've been reporting on the Greens' result in Queensland and you also spoke to voters in this area of Brisbane throughout the election campaign. Can you tell me about the seats that the Greens were targeting there? Yeah, so the Greens went into this election with one seat in the lower house. That was the Greens leader, Adam Bant, and his seat of Melbourne. Ben Smee is Guardian Australia's Queensland correspondent. But in Queensland, three metropolitan seats, so inner Brisbane seats, were targeted by the Greens. So there's the seat of Ryan, um, which is in the inner west of Brisbane, and it's held by the LNP on about 6%. Then there's the seat of Brisbane, which is essentially the inner north or north of the Brisbane River, held by the LNP on a 4.9% margin. And then the seat of Griffith, which is the inner south, the regions directly south of the Brisbane River, uh, it's held by Labor's Terry Butler, the former Shadow Minister for the Environment, on a margin of 2.9%. Right, so as the votes began to roll in on Saturday and all throughout the weekend, really, what did you see happen in these three seats, Ben? Uh, Let's go over to Anthony Green, who can take us through some of the results in Queensland. We've been trying to talk about these seats and how difficult it's been to call them. We have called Ryan for the Greens. Yeah, on Saturday, it was pretty clear early that Ryan in particular would swing to the Greens. Uh, Julian Simmons is not going to get close on those numbers. Uh, 90% of Labor preferences will flow to the Greens. The Greens will win Ryan. And then the results started coming in for Griffith. If Terry Butler finishes in third place after preferences, Max Chandler-Mather will take Griffith from the Greens. And not only was Terry Butler not winning, but she was coming third behind the LNP and the Greens. And the next seat to look at is Brisbane. And then the Brisbane results were showing what would ultimately be a very tight race between Labor and the Greens. This is halfway between, geographically, between Ryan and Griffith, and so are the numbers. LNP will not win that seat. Trevor Evans will be defeated. I think he will be defeated by Stephen Bates, 
And if Griffith goes, there will be four Greens. And so now, as of the time of recording, the Greens have comfortably won Ryan. They look like Griffith is now a certainty. There's still a few postal votes to come in, but it's a very, very unlikely that they won't win that seat. Mm. And Brisbane, that is incredibly close, likely to come down to a couple of hundred votes. Mm. And when will we know the final results, not just in these three Queensland seats, but also for the Greens more generally? We'll probably have a pretty good idea of those lower house results by the end of the week, but the Senate really could take a bit longer. It's obviously a lot more complicated. The projections at this stage suggest that we might end up with 12 Green senators. uh, That would be up from nine in the previous parliament. Right, so in the lower house, just in Queensland, we may have three new Greens MPs by the end of the week. Tell me about these Greens candidates. Yeah, so I I, I think uh, many people outside of Brisbane would have probably had their introduction to these three Greens candidates on Sunday. We, as the Greens, campaigned strongly for a change of government and it couldn't come soon enough. So Adam Band held a press conference uh, in King George Square in the middle of Brisbane. Uh, I'd like to now give them all an opportunity to introduce themselves and you may have some questions for them as well. Yeah. So in Ryan, the new Greens MP is Elizabeth Watson-Brown. I'm so very proud and excited about the prospects we have in Ryan to actually represent the people. She's an architect, a you know, long-term resident of the area. Um, she's one of the older candidates. The others are, qu- are quite young. So we are very proud to have actually taken this seat that has been a long-term Conservative seat for basically its whole existence. And it is a really, really interesting representation that the tectonic plates uh, are shifting in politics in Australia. And I think we're here at the beginning of real change in Australia, and we are here to deliver that. Thank you. And then in Brisbane is Stephen Bates. It's very clear to me that the people of Brisbane and across southeast Queensland and across the country voted for change overnight. They're sick of the status quo. People in Brisbane were sick of the status quo. He's a former retail worker and a young gay man. As he pointed out, that's a strong demographic in his seat. My normal job is talking to people, is making connections and just being myself. You know, I represent 29 gay retail worker. That is quite a large majority of this electorate as well. So I think it's important that the parliament reflects what the people of the community are like. So he gained some notoriety for putting election ads on the LGBTQI dating app grinder. Lines like, you always come first with the Greens or spice up Canberra with a third. Incredible. He says he joined the Greens on the eve of the 2019 election because, in his words, he could no longer sit and watch our country sold off to the highest bidder. Brisbane has always been this microcosm of progressivism and I'm so proud that we've been able to run this incredible campaign, talking to thousands of people at the doors, at markets, over the phones, being able to present people with an alternative, a change and a plan. And then in Griffiths, there's Max Chandler-Mather. There's one message out of this election. It's that people feel completely disconnected from the major parties, no longer represented. And we went to people... He grew up in Brisbane. He's a former union worker at the National Tertiary Education Union. Um, My background is a role as an organiser. What I love, to be honest, the thing I enjoy the most is working in the local community and helping build local community campaigns and crafting strategies around that. But he's been running local and state campaigns for the Greens for quite some time, you know, ever since 2016. But the fundamental message was this. In a wealthy country like Australia, everyone should have what they need to live a good life. We can afford it, along with a safe climate. 
So, Ben, this state is not seen as a particularly progressive state. We do know that big swings against Labor in 2019 helped the coalition win that election. Is this result surprising to you? Look, not really, to be honest with you. I think that um, it, it is a bit of a misnomer, for, particularly for people in, in urban inner-city Brisbane, the idea that we are conservative. You know, there, there are some more conservative pockets in Queensland, but Brisbane itself is actually really quite progressive. And what we have seen um, here at a local and a state level is a real rise in popularity for the Greens. Um, we had Jonathan Shree, who would be one of the most radical politicians in Australia won the Gabba Ward seat on Brisbane City Council in 2016. The party now has two state MPs and a statewide vote that has really just grown at every recent local or state or federal election. Mm. So going into this election, um, you know, we, we thought that Brisbane and Ryan were reasonable contenders for the Greens, particularly in three-way contests, if they were able to get their primary vote above Labor. You know, a swing against Morrison and the LNP would really put the Greens in a position where they they had a, a great opportunity. Mm. But, you know, Griffith looked harder for them. You know, remember, this is Terry Butler's seat. It was Kevin Rudd's seat. It's a it's a real heartland Labor seat. And it's also more progressive than the other parts of Brisbane. And what that meant was that the, you know, the mathematics of a three-way contest, ultimately we expected it to be a Labor and Greens contest and one where LNP preferences would probably get Terry Butler and Labor across the line. Mm. Even now, extraordinarily, it looks like Terry Butler has conceded and is out of the race. Mm. She tweeted a concession of sorts saying, you know, wish the new member well in delivering on all the promises he has made, which uh, I guess seems like at the same time a bit of a dig at the idea that the Greens, you know, as a minor party, you know, won't be in a position to make decisions. Mm. So the result in Griffith has come as a shock to Labor, it sounds like. Was it also a shock to the Greens? Look, it's absolutely not a political shock to the Greens themselves and people who have been on the ground. I think this during during election night there was a lot of talk that the um, you know the movement to the Greens in Brisbane um, you know may have been simply because there wasn't a teal candidate in any kind of Queensland seats and that maybe mirrored what was happening in Sydney and Melbourne. But you know to talk to people on the ground they really reject that idea. They have been here for, you know, six years, running what like, essentially has been a political experiment in South Brisbane, where they've, you know, sought to build this never-ending kind of door-knocking campaign, where they have been front and centre really noticeable um, in these kind of progressive inner suburbs. And, you know, that's the foundation upon which their campaign has been built. political experiment pays off. Okay, Ben, so before the break, you mentioned that the Greens began this campaign in this area more than six years ago. What exactly were they doing? Can you break this down for me? 
Yeah, so, I mean, the whole campaign's built on the back of what what they've almost described as a social work-type strategy where party volunteers, you know, wearing their green shirts, they've spent as much time working on what are effectively community support efforts as they have actually working to directly change voters' minds. So, hmm. you know, I, I think it's what Max Chandler-Mather was saying on Sunday, uh, you know, is a really good example of what this means. This is the vindication of a years-long strategy of community building and rewriting the rules of Australian politics. We in Griffith knocked on over 90,000 doors, had tens of thousands of conversations. And not only that, we embedded in these communities now for years, well over six years. You know, Max uses the word embedded here. And, and you know, and what that really looked like is just, you know, having the Greens involved in the community in, in a variety of ways. They suddenly, they became kind of a part of the community, not just a kind of a campaigning out, outfit that you saw in the six weeks before the election. Mm. Floods hit, we help people clean up hundreds of houses across the electorate. When the Omicron crisis hit and people were stuck at their homes isolating, we helped drop off free boxes of food. So, you know, party volunteers, they handed out care packages to vulnerable residents during the pandemic and during the recent flooding. Mm. They they did things like building community gardens. They, you know, ran um, community forums on issues like airport noise pollution. And they, they sent out newsletters, the sort, sorts of things that incumbent politicians do, but they sent out newsletters about what their own campaigning and community work efforts were doing. This wasn't just a campaign that was fought over the last six weeks. This is a campaign recognising that people are fed up with politics. And were they doing this in all three seats? Yeah, you know, I think Griffith is where these efforts started. Um, Griffith is where they spent the most time, but absolutely, in Ryan and uh, in Brisbane. This was the, the, the foundation of their strategy, was a real kind of direct connection to community. What we have done over the last 14 months is just a preview of what I hope we're going to be able to build in this electorate. We don't just want to build an electorate office and a political representative. We want to build a community movement that means no matter however you're struggling, when you move into Griffith, you know that we've got your back. So, Ben, I imagine the idea behind this type of campaigning is just to become a really positive, inescapable presence almost in people's everyday lives. Do we know that it was this type of campaigning, this factor, that changed people's votes in these seats, though? Look, it it is one factor. It's a big factor. It's not the only factor. Another thing to keep in mind is that progressive voters from places like Melbourne, Byron Bay, have moved to Brisbane during the pandemic. Some people were moving back home when everything shut down. Others have been driven here because rents and house prices have skyrocketed in in other parts of Australia. So we have had a demographic change that has brought more Greens voters into the area. But I think what the campaigning style did was it it brought into focus things that people in the area cared about and it really linked those to the Greens. Mm. So we talked a little bit about airport noise and it's been a big issue across all three inner Brisbane electorates. And the Greens were, you know, leading a lot of the community campaigning on that. Obviously, climate has become a huge issue right across the country. But, you know, in Brisbane, we're three months away from some of the most serious flooding we've ever had. And it's been raining here. It's still raining. It's been raining for three weeks. And people don't think that that's normal, right? So, absolutely, climate 
Um, and, you know, the need for action on climate was really sheeted home. Um, but, you know, this community campaign kind of helped people to connect um, those sorts of issues to their local candidates, to that party, in a way that I think that that kind of, um, you know, broader kind of messaging through the media, through social media kind of campaigning, um, you know, doesn't do as effectively. Right. So it's not just you gave me a care package, I'm going to vote for you. It's you gave me a care package and then I went and looked at your policies or spoke to people about your policies and now I'm voting for you. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. But I, th- I think it also hits upon, uh, you know, a disconnect that people feel between the major political parties, the sort of the broader political system. And when you have people who are in front of you, who reflect your values, who you see in a way that's a little bit more human, it absolutely brings those sorts of issues right to the forefront. Uh, it might be a minor party. It might be the Greens that has got you interested. Roz is in Carina. Roz, good morning. Good morning, Beck. Uh, so you're in the electorate of Griffith, held by yes. Terry Butler, previously yes. Kevin Rudd. Ah, uh, yes. And it was becoming clear that these efforts were working. We, we were hearing from people and about people who were going to vote Greens for the first time. People like Roz, who rang ABC Radio Brisbane to tell them about being doorknocked. Yes. You've been doorknocked much? No, not previous to this election. I, you know, 57 years, I think I can remember once, but we're usually in a safe, what's considered a safe seat, I suppose. Mm. We've had uh, Max Chandler Mather come twice. So that's the Greens um, candidate in Griffiths? Yes. Griffiths, Very yeah. friendly, very approachable. Um, I was surprised to have somebody actually knock on the door and be actually interested are you um, usually so, a Greens voter, Ross? No. No, I never voted Greens. Will no. Will that door-knocking influence your vote? I hope my husband's not listening, but it, <laughs> it probably could. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. first of all, are you based in Brisbane? Yes. One of my colleagues, Caitlin Cassidy, before the election, was speaking to people for a piece on first-time voters. Awesome. And how old are you? I am 20. Perfect. And one of the people she ended up speaking to was Ty, a 20-year-old living in Brisbane. How do you feel about politics at the moment and our current politicians? Like, do you feel like they are representing the issues that you care about? Um, I'd say Liberal Party, 0%. Um. (laughs) And she said that yeah, the Greens policy spoke to her, particularly on housing. Yeah. So I think Greens above all, I look at and I go, yep, like, they're never gonna, not going to be a party who, like, dot for dot represents mm. everything that I want, but they at least seem to care a little bit and share some of my interests. In that interview, Ty also spoke about how she was personally impacted by the flooding in Brisbane. Yeah, my street flooded, like, pretty much my whole suburb flooded. Um mm-hmm. The second bedroom flooded. Again, like a lot of people I know who live in Brisbane were at least some way in another, like, you know, within five minutes of them, there were people, you know, with houses underwater, that sort of thing. So, And that 
when that was all happening, when the streets were absolutely flooded and the community needed help, that it was her local Greens member that she saw out on the streets lending a hand. Helping get food to people and making sure, like, we had, you know, stand-up paddle boards and stuff where people were paddling down the street that was flooded to, like, deliver food and stuff. And I could see my local representative there. And that really resonates with her. Ben, how does this style of campaigning compare to the other parties? Is anyone else using these types of tactics? Um, not really. Like, I think it's a very old style of campaigning, really. It's the way political parties would, would have campaigned for years and years. And I, and I think that, um, you know, nowadays most try to, you know, shape craft media messages and do photo opportunities and, you know, try and connect with voters on social media. You know, Labor really effectively run a lot of phone banking. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of gone out of fashion, this idea that, you know, we connect on a kind of a very direct sort of level with, our, with people who are running for office. But we've seen both the Greens and the Teal Independents harness that community style of campaigning to great effect this election. On a national level, do you think that this campaigning strategy could be replicated elsewhere? And if so, what will that mean for our elections going forward? The Greens have absolutely approached what they've been doing in South Brisbane for the past six years as a kind of an experiment. And uh, it not could be replicated elsewhere. Would you expect it to be? So I would expect this model to really quickly be starting to be used for campaigns in Sydney and in Melbourne. But also, um, you know, now that inner Brisbane has gone green, I would expect them to now start to look at that next level, that middle ring of suburbs, and start, you know, spreading their campaigning more broadly. You say Brisbane has gone green. Will it stay green? Because I was discussing with Sarah Martin in an earlier episode that, you know, the seats that have gone to the Teal Independents will most likely stay independent because of the way that those independents then get very connected to the community. Do you think a similar thing will happen with these green seats? Well, a similar thing has happened every time a Green has been elected to a lower house seat. Um, you know, you see it with Adam Bant in Melbourne and the strength of his vote. Um, we saw it with Jonathan Shree uh, and with Michael Berkman, the, you know, Greens councillor and the Green state MP here in Brisbane. You know, those campaigns were close and hard fought and now they sit on very, very comfortable margins. And I think that that, um, you know, putting the kind of the the politics of their areas and their own politics aside, that reflects the fact that they're not members of major parties and that what they do, I think, is just that little bit more grounded in community. They're, they're seen by their community members and, and they're liked and people vote for them, even if they don't share their political values, because I think they look and they don't see someone who's involved in, you know, the kind of the big party side of politics. They see someone whose primary job is to be their local member. Ben, you mentioned to me that it's pretty unfair, maybe inaccurate, to see Queensland as this blanket conservative state. You are now referring to it as Greensland in your piece at the weekend. <laughs> Do you think that that is going to shift? People are going to see Queensland differently going forward after this election? Well, I mean, I hope so. Like three years ago, was it Quexit that, you know, basically there were people who were saying they should excise Queensland from the Commonwealth and kind of get rid of us, right? But, you know, I think the, the fact that we could 
soon be the kind of national epicenter of progressive politics, you know, right smack bang in the middle of what we consider the most conservative state in Australia, um, you know, should hopefully reinforce the fact that the politics here is complex. It's not one dimensional by any stretch of the imagination and that, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to reign for the major political parties to navigate. We've seen that fracturing on the far right, the number of kind of micro parties on the far right. And obviously now we've seen huge support for the Greens right across Queensland, not just in the city. That was Ben Smee, Guardian Australia's Queensland correspondent. You can read his piece titled How Knocking on 90,000 Doors Delivered Queensland Labor Heartland to the Greens and get the latest on the election results at theguardian.com. This episode was produced by Ellen Lee Beta and Joe Koning, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Matignoni, Gabrielle Jackson and me, Laura Murphy-Oates. Okay, catch you tomorrow.